Hey everybody, it's Nolan North, you know, Nathan Drake from Uncharted, and you're listening to the Geek Apocalypse Podcast. Hello everybody, welcome along to 103 of the Geek Apocalypse Podcast, that's episodes, not age, uh, for those hurtful tweets. No, there's not been any hurtful tweets, I'm just kidding. Uh, welcome along, obviously, uh, thank you so much to 102 uh, guests, Mr. Mark Stay, which you can find at Mark Stay on Twitter, we are talking about his brilliant film Robot Overlords, we can find on a bunch of different websites uh, to stream, and also the book version, which I happily have on my bookshelf at home. Uh, and yes, a huge thank you to him. It was very, very geeky. We talked about a bunch of films and everything else, um, which is interesting because you'd think, well, of course it's geeky, Stephen. It's called Geek Apocalypse Podcast. You'd not have a geek on. That's foolish. It's almost as if we planned it. Hmm. Interesting. But no, seriously, thank you so much. That was a really fun episode, and I hope you enjoy it. This episode is a really hugely delayed one, about a month or so ago. And uh, the reason for that is because, as I explained uh, in several episodes ago, uh, my laptop got repaired, and uh, so I'm a little bit behind with the episodes. I'm trying to catch up, and the web series has taken off, which I'll explain more about in a second. So this episode is with uh, Chris Warburton-Brown, who's a really good friend of mine, someone who I board game with every week on Thursday at his lovely home in Walker, and super super fun guy he's like one of the nicest people that i know i i often um ask him for advice and uh, debate with him about a number of different things which is hopefully what you'll hear on the episode as we talk about um board games uh, about his work permaculture which is really sort of interesting it's about sort of preserving uh the the world in sort of economic in a in a sort of um eco-friendly sense and uh um, he explains it better than i did because i didn't really know what it was before i asked him but uh it got me fascinated when i ever talked to him about it so um we'll probably get him on to talk about it more because i certainly find it interesting but if you don't well i'm sorry i do okay it's it's, i i love finding out more knowledge uh but mainly we talk about obviously board games being that we're both huge fans he's got i know he's got actually a, a board game in in development now, uh, is and he's something he's working on with a bunch of a bunch of guys at their playtest, which will give shout out to them. Um, so yeah, he's a really, really long-standing board game fan, and we actually filmed this before we were going to play a really long game of Civilization, which uh, I didn't enjoy that much. Uh, it was just far too long. Uh, when you sit down and play a board game for six hours, although maybe I'm being sort of hypocritical because I do play the the video game version of Civilization quite a lot, so. Uh, maybe I am being again hypocritical, as I say. But there you go. Uh, I guess I can't be choosers. But yeah, it was it was fun. And so that's an example. This was filmed on a uh, I think a Sunday, and uh, so yeah, we off to play games. So, so yeah, board game heavy. But we also talk about being parents, generational gap, whole bunch of stuff. It's really fun. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, in regards to web series, that I just touched on. We're filming the rehearsals next weekend. Uh, we've got the cast all sorted out. We're on Twitter, uh, which is at LFTF Series. Um, so please do follow us on that. Oh, and obviously, an at geek underscore apocalypse if you want to follow us uh, for the main podcast, obviously. Um, going really well. We're going to film it second uh, weekend of March. Uh, so follow us on Twitter to find out more about that. But until then, enjoy this episode, 103. Booyah! We'll just find Hello, a, we'll, we'll find a natural um, we'll find a natural cut off point, and this is weird because literally just came to my house. Hello, America, so I'm like, let's sit down and start. So, um, so what I'll do is I'll find a natural edit point uh, where just the conversation will, yeah. will make sense and sound okay, a bit more natural. Yeah. So if we if so if we're boring, Chris, right yeah, at the cut, beginning, can cut that I out. can cut that out. Right, okay. uh, although if I cut this out, no one will hear it. So that's, right. that's a little uh, that's mis- right. little misguided. But it's kind of fun to get the opportunity to talk to you, actually, Chris, in this format because obviously we've known each other for a while. Yeah, I was trying to sort of think actually off the top of my head. I was thinking this is prep, sort of prep for this conversation is to just say like we know each other from Newcastle Gamers. We do for people that know. Yeah. How long ago? How long was that? Like, because you, oh, that's I think, a good I, question. Um, and another question is, did, did you go longer than me? I think you. I were think there I've been going me. for about three years. Yes. to Newcastle Gamers that sounds longer than me. Um, I may be wrong. 
It's funny. I don't. I don't remember meeting you for the first time. We must have played a few either. games together. I don't either. And then yeah. somehow I remember you being around. We had the idea of gaming on a Thursday night, so yeah. now we, we game every Thursday, which actually is more regular for me because weekends with family commitments, yeah. Thursday evening's better than Saturday. I really which... miss coming to gamers on a Saturday because it's great. Uh-huh. But uh, four, you get to four meet till, new people. Four to eleven on a Saturday is a yeah. you know it's it's a difficult time if you've got mm-hmm. anything else going on because things are always on a Saturday, aren't they? So yeah. No. So how long have you been going to gamers? That's a good question. I mean, that sounds longer than me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I'm trying to work out why. Just okay. uh, hang on a second, just because my. I was thinking the other day um, about oh, gamers. You just uh, eavesdrop while I figure out why my battery's not charging. That's <laughs> uh, it. You had it for a second. Yeah. It's it's, it's been it's been um, it's been like really loose for some reason. So it, I had it that's fixed. Gone. I had it fixed, and then yeah, that's on. That's it. Yeah. But. Maybe if we, I don't know why it's been doing it's this. Probably because you've got, like got a loose, loose, loose wire. You probably need to get a new connector. Yeah, let's try it that way. Does that work? Does that? That's much better. There we go. In business, right? Um, no, no, it's not. It's no. still, it's still. It, it's been doing this honestly, and I thought I'd fixed it. I was nobody uh, move. I was <laughs> <laughs> sorry. So, so was, as we were yeah. saying, yeah. So. You asked me, did I? Um, how, how long, long have I been? been? I've got. I don't know. It's a really good question. That sounds longer than than I yeah. than I think. Because I'm trying to think. Like I've known Drew during that period of time. Like so, I'm thinking of like because like ninety percent of my social circle now is from Newcastle it's from gamers. gamers. Yeah, it's great. Um, it's which is one of the reasons I have said to people, you know, if you're if you're a geek like me and I like board games growing up, then you really should kind of go to board games. And... Yeah, I'm always I'm always trying to recruit people. Mm-hmm. I was thinking um, recently. It's an interesting thing with the gamers because uh, over Christmas someone was saying to me they're in a motor car, old-fashioned motor car preservation society, and they were saying, "Oh, we can't. There's no young people joining. Young people aren't interested in clubs. You know, all, the, all these clubs that used to be around are all dying out because everyone's getting to be over 60. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Well, that's not true about the board gamers at all. I mean, it's it's a really interesting demographic because actually at 42, I'm one of the older ones mm-hmm. there." Obviously, in most clubs, I would be one of the younger ones. Why you just hang out with John, isn't it? So you can go. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. I'm not not the oldest. (laughs) Uh, So I think I think it's really an interesting phenomenon that um, there's something about it that seems to really attract younger people. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think maybe there was a bit of a gap. Maybe almost my generation a little bit younger when board games were. I mean, I grew up with board games as a kid, and then they went out completely, and everyone was doing computer games Mm -hmm. much more. So I think that it, the games club, you can see there's like an older group who are maybe gaming in the 70s, and then there's all you lot in your 20s, yeah. and I'm, I'm one of the rare ones kind of in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's quite interesting the way games have come, board games have come but completely what I find, back in, and, and there's a yeah. social, uh, as much of a social activity, like you say, with your social circle, as a, as a gaming activity. Mm-hmm. You know, Because I mean, if we were just obsessed with gaming, we could just sit at home and play on our PCs. Because yeah. all, nearly all those board games you can get on your PCs. Well, as you see, I, yeah, like, I think... You know, from my from my sort of perspective, in that sense, that it seems to me to be, and I think it's partly responsible because of the online games. And like, I'm on, I'm I'm quite interested to talk about how you view it with your kids, for example, mm. which we'll get to later mm. later on. Because I, I want to ask you that because I've been talking about that with other people. But I think the the video game industry, you know, like with the with the online aspect of stuff now, and you don't know who you're going to play with yeah. and all that kind of thing, and people can be quite people aggressive be quite and nasty, abusive yeah. and, and not like losing, whereas yeah. something which I think you kind of have to go to a board game club to fully appreciate this is that, you know, it's not necessarily about winning the game, no. it's about socialising with people, That's like, right. you know, whereas the I guess the point I'm making is with video games, it's almost like people think the game is everything, yeah. whereas That's the socialising right. is... Is totally, much more. I totally agree. And if we look uh-huh. at the way that, you know, when you were ill, when John's been ill, yeah, you know, and we've been trying to support you and whatever, and yeah. uh, go and play I'm games. Sure, I'm yeah. sure we'd uh, you'd do the same if I was, you know, having. Well, I've had lots of support from you guys, and I think that's really nice that people look out for each other. And I think it's quite interesting at the games club because actually, if you look around, something that you'll be interested in and be aware of, there is a lot of people there who are a little bit eccentric, maybe a lot of mental health issues going on around yeah. the club, and yet. People can fit in and are accepted. It's a very mm. accepting, relaxed, tolerant environment. And like you say, winning. There are a few people. I don't think people who are really desperate to win all the time would last very long in games club. Actually, no. there are a few people who are quite competitive. But it's much more about the experience, trying out something new, having a bit of fun together. And, without, and, then, and I've I've often said I'd rather. Yeah. I'd ra- there are some games <laughs> which I might not win. Yeah. But I really enjoy playing mm-hmm. and don't care whether I win or not. And I'd enjoy that more than just winning some 
And we should Some say as well, it's not necessarily about, it's not just all, all, it's not necessarily as well, like, we don't mean not be competitive, because then that kind of ruins the game as well. So I think there's, I think that's the, the, the key distinction people don't understand is that you can be, compa- you can be, you can be friendly competitive, yeah, you know, if, it, what, if, if that's the right sort of terminology, but you, you can in the sense of, you know, cause that, cause the, the, de- the other side of the coin in that is people who don't care about playing the game. I kind of struggle yeah. to like. Um, it all depends <laughs> on the game. It all depends on the game because I mean, if we're playing like cards against humanity or whatever, yeah. you know, it doesn't. Yeah. Who cares? And which I have, I've, I've used as an example on this game because that's what I wanted to say when you were talking about the the generational gap. Is the thing that I find most funny. I don't know whether you think the same, but is whenever you go to Newcastle Gamers and see a group of table where there's like an eighteen year old. Uh, the the age range is like eighteen to sixty five, yeah. and they're all playing Cards Against Humanity, where it's like, oh, burning Nazis, and <laughs> it's like, um, and you're sitting there going, what other environment would that be kind of would that I think, happen? I think that's nice. Although there is there is a uh, a split is quite a stronger word, but there is two distinct types of people go to the club, and you're very interesting because you sit right in the middle of that. Yeah, I think there's a younger group who like playing games like Cards Against Humanity, Munchkin, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of those games, the Drew Organizer, which a group get Werewolf. Those sort yes. of things, and uh, they're great. But like coo, there's also, coo's, coo's you know, head, there's yeah. also the people who want to play a four, four hour brain burner. You know, they probably don't play it together very much. And it's quite interesting that you're right in the middle of that because on the Thursday mm. we tend to play. I mean, we do play some silly games on yeah. the Thursday, but mostly on the Thursday we play quite serious games. But you're also very happy to play with the, the sort of. But, I, games. but as, as as you as you're aware, you've known me long enough, and we've spent a lot of you know with the Thursday night games in particular. Is and I, I, I've noticed that with you. I think it's fair to say is that I think some people don't realise as well, like which is why I don't think it's kind of makes sense to kind of put yourself in one bracket in that way. Because what I'm about to say is that. A lot of people don't write this. It's the same with music. It's very mood orientated. So if you mm, if you true. if you yeah. if you if Good you point. put yourself into a musical category and say, "Oh, I'm only going to listen to rock," but what yeah. if you're like depressed and you're hearing yeah. like an upbeat thing? You might yeah. want to hear a sad song to get yeah. to, to to reinforce that things aren't so bad or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I, that that's ultimately why I don't like that attitude of. Do you not ever told you that story about when I was at UK Games Expo and a guy from Gamers who were named Nameless? Um, came up to me and I'd bought a Munchkin Apocalypse, which is somewhere behind me. John, you might be able to find. Um, and um, he uh, he came up to me and he was like, "Hi!" And he was like, "And because he knew he was from Gamers." And he went, "I went, what are you doing here?" And I went, "Oh, I'm doing um, I'm doing media for the event, and I've just been I've been hanging." Out. And I went, oh, I mentioned I'd hang out with Andrew Hackard, who runs Munchkin for Steve Jackson Games, and I. He looked in my bag and he saw like the signed copy of Munchkin Apocalypse that I got Andrew yeah. Haggard to do, and he looked at because Munchkin was at the top pile, and, and I know you know what I'm going to say here is he just looked at it and went, and he turned looked straight looked straight back at me and went, oh, you're one of them guys, <laughs> and I just went, oh, I, I hate that attitude yeah. because. Yeah that's kind of the point you were making earlier is that you know with them type of infection vector games like Will Wheaton calls them where you know the, there's some like hardcore gamers who regard them as non-sequential yeah, and, right, right, um, right. because I, I, I'm with you I, I, I'm, is it fair to say I think you're kind of somewhere in the middle as well because you I, just I said enjoy, we do silly stuff as well Munchkin. yeah, yeah we, I mean to be fair on a Thursday night yeah. You know, I think I think be, we've had some ridiculously stupid Coyote is a good idea, a good yeah, example yeah, of that. Yeah, we have your, your, your kids that, that game, that game we played where you had to make up the names of the medicines and stuff. I can't remember. What that was oh called. yeah, it's but just was, some some yeah. nonsense games. So and and uh, I actually really like a game of Munchkin. I mean, there are a lot of people like more serious gamers really hate Munchkin, but it's just like something to if you if you've had a three hour brain burning game. You don't want to sit down and do another three-hour game, game. Yeah. game. You want something that's going to be a bit more fun, yeah. maybe a bit more social, a bit more silly. And, that's understanding uh, yeah. your brain yeah. as well. It's understanding it your brain that you can't just, you, I, I, you know, like if because I don't know what's going to happen. We're going to John's. I imagine we're going to John's after this. For those who don't know, and um, you know, we probably are going to sit down and play a four-hour game. Six I imagine hour. or six-hour six game. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it's not it, advanced save. I mean, it, advanced. Oh, I mean, save. Oh, I'm, I'm looking forward to that then because you know it's, I've it's been wanting to play. It's so. okay. It's not. It's not really. Brain burning yeah. game. It's not like some of the games where it's you have like, to concentrate the entire time. Especially with it being a bank holiday and it's during the holidays. I would. I like that idea because we're playing a game and it's a reason for us to come around. But it's quite nice because I haven't seen you in a bit. Just yeah. sit down and have a chat with you. And, yeah, and there's time to do that. And yeah, it's it's a good social game. And yeah, mm-hmm. we'll we'll have fun. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
today. So, how long have you been doing board games, Stephen? Are you are you were you brought up on board games, or did you used to be a video? I know you've done yeah. a lot of video and computer. Games. I wanted to ask you. We'll get to ask you that, but yeah. Um, to, to answer your question, yeah. Um, I was unfortunately. I think I, you've know you know a little bit about this because I brought it up on a Thursday session once. That you know my family, my family's tradition at Christmas. Now we didn't do this here because my mum's and my sisters, but. Um, like we played card games all the time so we'd play like a family version of poker yeah. where it was just like for five yeah, my pence family, and my family exactly the same yeah. yeah so so we would do that but that would be after like so basically we'd have like like because you, you, everyone knows what christmas is like you know this is what i find amusing about christmas is you have your christmas dinner earlier than you probably would a yeah. dinner yeah. and then you've got like eight hours to yeah. kill like and you just suddenly like and you're with a bunch of people and like yeah. you've already spoken to them probably the day before because they usually come round two yeah. days before Christmas or something so, so you've got conversation's film. a bit yeah. thin yeah. And, and so you're kind of like you know how many more times can you ask your uncle how golf's been and yeah. all this kind of thing so so you're like um, so you, you sit there and go so my family since I was very little I, I learned to play like the our version of poker because mm-hmm. it was really fairly simple um, where it's just you know you, you can swap free cards. It's that version of poker yeah. where it's just like yeah. you get a five cards and then you just yeah. We used to you, play it's all very games. easy. So that's interesting, isn't it? So we, um, we both grew up on. Uh... So before that, we just play like golf. Just to finish, we played golf for broke and and um, yeah. Monopoly right. and uh, right. Game of Life was right. a really fun one that we right. played. Uh, I think, I think it was always always cards in my family. But isn't uh-huh. isn't that interesting that? Uh, I mean, there are some similarities there with Games Club. That everyone everyone different ages, everyone mucking it together, mm-hmm. you know, getting on. Playing all sorts of uh, ridiculous nonsense. So, uh, so that's was that, was that so the same for you? Absolutely the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with cards. So games your parents go, let's sit down. And play grand- a game. Always when the grandparents used to play. We actually with both sets of grandparents, my mum's parents mm-hmm. and my dad's parents. What do you play? Always used to play, just different, simple, simple card games. Thirty-one and uh, rummy, loads of rummy, different kinds of rummy. My yeah. auntie from Ireland, she was mad about gin, mm-hmm. gin rummy, which is a you know. Different do you ever, do you ever play Yahtzee? Yahtzee, yeah, yeah, used to play that. Yahtzee we used to play, game. play a game. The nearest, we got, you know that game, the Robin Hood game? Uh, Sheriff of Nottingham. Sheriff of Nottingham. We used mm. to play a game almost exactly the same as that called Contraband when I was ah, a kid. I think I've heard of that. Which was yeah. a smuggling, yeah, a smuggling yeah, yeah. game. And my auntie Is Contraband from, actually in Sheriff of Nottingham? Yeah. Uh, it's actually the, the the red cards are called contraband. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. so I'm sure yeah. there must be. I mean, it's yeah. almost identical game. And um, my auntie, who is from Ireland, real proper Irish countrywoman, and uh, she used to smuggle uh, bottles of whiskey. All the, t- all the time uh, when she came to visit she was always she's for, for any uh, for any um, uh, internal investigators watching or anything she's sorry she didn't mean to <laughs> well, she's, she's, she's been dead for about oh, eight, yeah. eight years so you'd have, trouble, you'd have trouble getting an out Chris that doesn't stop them uh... no, well, so um, so she used to win contraband every single game and we used to swear it was because she was uh, yeah she was. I, I might be. Uh, I might be. Oh, you can't slander the dead, can you? But I might be yeah. slandering a bit. But she definitely used to be. I'm sure she used to smuggle. Oh, the story maybe maybe turning on a grave. I don't know. There's a wonderful story from our family, which must have been her. Would it be her <laughs> mother came to Newcastle in about 1946, mm-hmm. and uh, it was all rationed. All the food was rationed. So she, in her suit, she came from Ireland. She had all this meat and eggs in her suitcase that she was smuggling into the country. She brought on the boat, and she got to uh, Haymarket bus station. And she dropped the suitcase, oh, and no. all these eggs, like just <laughs> pouring out of the bag. And she just dropped the suitcase and legged oh, it because, of course, God. she would have been in, she would have been in serious uh, trouble if that's, she got uh, found. So that was that was supposed to be their Christmas uh, their Christmas surprise, and it got dumped and left at the Haymarket bus station. That is so hilarious. there's a bit of a tradition in my family of. Uh, <laughs> That reminded Slightly me illicit activity a more Irish. modern example of that, but that reminds me of there's an episode in Friends where they go uh, Ross and Chandler go to a hotel and he says this is how you make your money back and he steals a bunch of like stuff from the oh, hotel yeah. and as he's yeah, leaving, yeah. as he's leaving he drops the suitcase and like a bunch of like like <laughs> light stuff. bulbs and shampoos <laughs> come out because he because basically the whole idea of that episode was he was turning to Chandler and go you say you don't want to steal something where they can go that's out of order like the TV or anything but you can you know you can't steal a lamp but you can steal, steal the, the light, light bulb, bulb. Yeah. Uh, and like you know not the remote control but the batteries yeah. <laughs> and so that was the premise of the start of the episode but yeah so, so, so very funny have, we used to have a lot of fun at Christmas getting beaten at contraband by my auntie and she, yeah. she used to be brilliant at cards so that was always and then and then I mean my, my, my dad's family the same we used to play we used to play for pennies same as what you said playing poker for pennies yeah. and stuff 
Because uh, if someone went in with five p in my family, it was like, wow, they must have oh, a great no, hand. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So we used to do all that. So and then as a kid, I was I've always enjoyed games. I mean, I used to be like when Games Workshop first started. You know, I'm old enough <clears> to remember when the very first were bringing out games which weren't really. Um, Warhammer, we played yeah. Warhammer a bit, but most originally they were like mostly Target. boards. It was Target, board games. like Target's American store, it's literally what it was. One of the, uh, you know, Spiel, uh, Yara Spiel or yeah. whatever, um, Spiel winning, winning yeah. uh, from about 1980, which they, I th- I'm not sure it was their game, but they reproduced it. Mm-hmm. I did it. What was that? Because it was a, rail, a train game. Mm-hmm. Um, For those that don't know, the Spiel the Yara's is like the Oscars um, of, of the board Oscar, games. Yeah, 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 it's right. like winning the best picture um, or something. So they had that, games. and they had Chainsaw Warrior, which was a tremendous game. Zombies. You see, I have this thing that I don't want to play games oh, with zombies. Yeah. Yeah. Chainsaw Warrior Finally, right, let's, let's, let's get this Chainsaw Warrior is a zombie game. Well, why did... Why, like, that's, okay, that's great, because I've, I've known Chris for a while. So um, every time a zombie game, because my friend Drew, who, who Chris knows through gamers is um he he's really into zombies like his favorite game ever i would i think you, you would agree when i say a zombie side which is a game where you get a bunch of uh like survivors and you have to survive a zombie outbreak so you get like a bunch of tiles and turn orders and all that kind of thing and, and like find weapons and stuff anytime a zombie game of any description comes out chris kind of just curls up on a ball and yeah, just runs well, away I, and... I have two i have two rules which so are trying to use that? a games club yeah. one is no games with zombies uh-huh. and the other is if at all possible, it's, you can't always do it, but always have somebody playing who's played the game before. Yeah, uh, I, really I, I think that's sure. just common sense, really. Yeah. Um, so why no zombies? Because basically, you know, I don't know who might be listening. There might be some embarrassed game. I don't want to slander any games designers, <laughs> but basically, games with zombies intend to be rubbish. The um, um, Dead of Dead of Winter, yes, is the one I've played that, yes. and that was a brilliant. Yeah, game. I do like that. Game. So I, that's my one exception. And actually, now I'm thinking about it. You see, I'm a bit of a hypocrite because mm-hmm. Chainsaw Warrior, one of my favourite games as a kid. Who those who don't know it, it was a solo game before there were decent computer games. So it was very similar to kind of what you have now with the mm-hmm. shoot 'em up. Uh, first person run round, collect the equipment, shoot the zombies, which yeah. nowadays would be on PC as standard. But this would be. 85, something like that. So when yeah. computers were still, you know, it was all text. The, the early computers. Oh, so like, when, when was the, when was like, because you know about the makes, I was born in 87, so I know my, my, my older siblings have mentioned this. When did like the sort of, would that be around the arcade area where like you could go to yeah, arcades? Yeah, there was uh, Pac-Man. Yeah. Pac-Man pre I remember playing Pac-Man. I must have been about six or seven. Mm-hmm. Playing Pac-Man on a little handheld uh, yeah. console thing, but they, were, they only had one game mm-hmm. on it. You know, yeah, it was the big machines where and then you, you could just get put the money big, in. Yeah. Get the machine. I remember playing Space Invaders yeah. again, maybe five or six. First mm-hmm. playing Space Invaders yeah, on a big machine and that, that famous beat. You know, it was boom, 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 boom. I don't know if you ever played yeah. it on the PC. Like some eighteen year old listening to this and be like, "What the hell?" What the hell? I mean, it was so it was so basic. And I remember even playing that thing. Is it called? Pong or something where you have the the ball mm-hmm. and you play tennis across the screen and you just go up and down. Yeah, it Pong. The, yeah, played it on the computer uh, with the, 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 the lines. It was called like ice hockey, like an ice yeah, hockey puck yeah, type thing. Yeah, nice, yeah, exactly. I remember it. I remember yeah. playing that on the on the someone's TV. I mean, we never had any of this kind of stuff at home. Uh, my parents weren't really into that, and we never had any money. But um, I used to go to I used to have posh friends who had all these, and we, I was always like, "Wow, it's amazing! Look at this Pac Man. It was so cool." I was always totally used to that. That's another reason why I preferred board games because mm-hmm. I'm. I'm I do play PC games and enjoy them now more the tactical games. But any any of those kind of Pac-Man or Space Invaders, I was always completely yeah. and utterly hopeless. And it used it's to be funny. 10 used to put your 10 pence in, you know, it was mm. like riches in those days. I don't know how you think, because I know that you do play a little bit of games, because I remember the last time I saw you, you mentioned you were playing Mass Effect, or you were going to Yeah, played Mass Effect, really um, like Mass Effect, that was So I was just going to, I wanted to like kind of, because I said this yesterday and I want to know what you think, because you obviously, you would have grown up in this period of time, is that... that I, I made the point, I kind of made this, I, I said this was worth debating because this might be true to a certain extent, that maybe if, if games had never fully developed, because I, just like obviously in 87 when I was growing up, my brother and I would play on the Mega Drive and the first mm-hmm. game, yeah. actually the first yeah. computer we ever had was an Amstrad, yeah. which was Alan Sugar's one. I remember those. Um, and I made the point to Jules on the last podcast we've done, I've done in, in, in recording wise, is that, um, is that, yeah, uh, I was I always said if if games had never got any better, I still think I would have been content because even though the games were never great, because you're comparing it to now because yeah. of hindsight. Yeah. But I think if games hadn't fully developed, like the arcade era in terms of fun level, yeah, I, I think yeah, there not really great... be topped really because in yeah. the sense it was just like we're going to make a game that's fun. Well, that's an interesting point. Um, my, my kids have got a game called. Uh... 
oh what the hell is it called chicken something about oh I can't remember what it's called <laughs> but it's basically exactly the same as Frogger it's like but it's oh, very right, modern yeah. and that's interesting to see them play that because it's it's a deliberate you know like a bit like Minecraft I suppose it's deliberately with these very basic kind of throwback graphics this mm. game what the hell is it called Cro- Crossy Road Crossy oh, Road right, you have to yeah. get the chicken across the road and it's, kind of, <laughs> oh, it's exactly of course, the same yeah. as Frogger um, very clever and you know Frogger we, I used to play I mean Frogger must be 30 yeah. 30 years old at least and they play, and they love Crossy Road and that is interesting that the concept is exactly the same mm. the graphics are virtually the same it's got the mm. same thing where you have to jump I don't know if you've played Frogger you have to jump yeah, across the, the logs on the river uh, yeah, and then you've got to avoid not um, falling into the water yeah. so it's a bit more it's a little bit more sophisticated but they, they love it so I think I think you're right that you know some of those concepts uh, hold up quite well and I remember you know of course we didn't know how much computer games were going to advance. I remember 13 or four, when I was 13 or 14, I didn't have a computer, but my mate did. And I used to, I used to have them on a, you probably won't remember, it used to be on a tape. I used to have to load oh, them on yeah. a tape. Oh, yeah, well, um, Amstrad was on. Amstrad's, with certain stuff on Amstrad, right. was by t- with right. set tape and Amazing. floppy disks. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, well, floppy disks just were, no that idea. was like floppy disks with the height uh. of sophistication. <laughs> we used to put them in and they used to go, <laughs> 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 I know, yeah, the noise, yeah. It's almost the same as, there'll be people listening to this on broadband going, what the hell is dial-up, yeah? Do you remember dial-up where it'd be like, yeah, exactly. Same, yeah. <laughs> same, same stuff. And, um, and also, like, because uh, growing up in a family where you go, I'm going to use the internet, and your mom's like, but I want to ring your auntie, because yeah. you couldn't be on the phone at the same yeah. time as broadband. Because yeah. yeah. the idea of having a dual splitter, like, lead was just, like, completely not not even remotely allowed. It's just kind of shows I, I mean, much I, I've had, you know, I remember the first, I remember at university playing the first Civilization. Yeah, Sid Mace, which Sid, is something me and you both love. Yeah. Amazing, with the little guy with his spades, tiny little, 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 tiny little vigor. Wooden hut, yeah. yeah, the little that's right, the little like, the barbar- like when the barbarians invade, you're like, ah, oh! yeah, it, it was great fun. Yeah. So I suppose I played through all those games, and um, certainly back then, I mean, we played them a lot, and we thought they were fantastic. Otherwise, the, the industry would have died. Of, you know, that's the, what people fail to remember. They were the height of gaming at the time. Were, and you know, we look so. back at them now and laugh. Yeah. And, uh, and and I mean, curiously, board games are, are funny, aren't they? Because um, like the game we're going to play today, Advanced Civilization. I mean, that came out in 1970s, mm-hmm. and we're still going to play virtually exactly the same as it's that a now. New, cop, new print, know, really, isn't a it? New print, yeah. but the, the game concept yeah. is basically the same. Mm-hmm. So, and and I've got a few of those old games that 30, 40 years old. John's got some, and um, in terms of concepts, they haven't advanced hugely. Mm-hmm. Whereas, obviously, the computer games have, have shot ahead, and yet somehow or other, in spite of that, board gaming. Has survived, and I think if you'd said to me like 15 years ago, you know, when I wasn't gaming again, when I was a kid, and then and then stopped for a while, that board games are going to come back, I think like most people would have thought, well, that's not going to happen because it's the future is digital; it's all going to be about computers. <laughs> you know, no, I was no wanting to ask you that, games. but I would and, just and say, we've all gone back to. Yeah. I won't say the the primitive because that would be that would be really unfair. I mean, there's some very mm-hmm. sophisticated ideas in in board games. Not totally, um, but compared to the sophistication of I mean, most games basically you're still talking about wooden pieces, dice, and cards. Aren't mm-hmm. you? That's essentially there's very few games that aren't in some way or another built around a, a, a cardboard mm. board, <laughs> some wooden bits, a dice, and some cards. We 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 um, that's something me and you uh, like emphatically say all the time is that I know I've, I've had this conversation with you before where it's like there's only really two things that change in a game and that's mechanics and theme there's yeah. only real two yeah. games that's only yeah. two things yeah. um, uh, as you look at this whether it's cooperative or I probably add the third thing now which is cooperative, yeah. cooperative or against yeah. a competitive because yeah, cooperative, um, cooperative can be great there's a new version of Pandemic that Drew wants me to play which is um, apparently very very good right yeah um, no, I do, I do uh, like a good so yeah so, which we, I know we and you have played but, um, but there's a couple of things I just wanted to like end that thought about yeah. the about the, the board games versus video games because something that you've made me realise while you were talking which is a very good point you made is that you were comparing like Frogger to the, the new game that your kids play yeah. um, what's the common trend in all industries is because the board game industry does this even more as we're touching on mechanic mechanics in particular you can look at a mechanic of a game and they've all been like rehashed from a game yeah. 30 years old <laughs> yeah. you know because True. there's like um, I'm trying to think there's a card that there was a card game, um, uh, a car game with cards where you put the card. Hang up, I was playing with you, and we, it was direction like you, you yeah. had to go along a, a like a, mo- a mountain yeah. road and yeah. you put cards down. I think yeah. I played play with you, yeah. and that is a game 
that Camo showed me, called, and it's called like is it Road Road, Road, the Road, Road, yeah. Road something, yeah, yeah. Um, like maybe Road Wars or something, yeah. and uh, I think it's called. And he had a copy of the like what the original, and it was yeah. like 1977 or well, something. Well, I mean, I know? made the point about Contraband and yeah, and, 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 uh, and yeah. virtually the same game, different different well, theme recycled. You just made the point I'm making is that we were saying like you know board games. I would say on a whole probably do it more than other video games, like the video games does. But you just said. I could name several video games that are around now that are copying what a game did twenty odd years that's ago. A, the just difference is the graphics are better. And yeah, no, that's very true. Games. In fact, I think I think that's a real problem with the um, computer game industry mm-hmm. that the variety of different kinds of game or genre of game is really really limited with yeah. computer games. Mm-hmm. Whereas with board games, one thing I love about board games is that you know we can in an evening at, at games club we can be playing Ancient Rome. One minute and out of space the next minute, and well, I might not be playing it, but you might be playing a zombie game the next minute, fighting fantasy, you know. After that, I mean, the range of history, you know, that Lewis and Clark game, I mean, yeah. that was just like completely Fantastic left game. field. That's mm-hmm. let's be 18th century exploring America, slave, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The slave, yeah. slave game, I mean, that's it's, um, it's kind of popular, it's wonderful it, yeah. that there's a and, and as a historian, I mean that's my my degree and my you know uh, my first yeah, degree and my interest is history. And uh, I mean it's an absolute joy to be playing those games with some of those themes. And I have to say that some of those games have got me to go home and read. Yeah, you know you read up about yeah, this is totally. interesting, and yeah, you read totally. up about the themes uh-huh. uh, about how that's developed. But I guess to make a to be fair to video game companies, because I have spoken to some, is that you know. I would make the distinction of if you go to, for example, and I made this example, if you go to a video game store now, whichever one that's near you in wherever country you're in, um, if you go to them and look at the, the amount of games available for the next gen consoles, that just not as many as you would find 20 years ago. Well, because, it's, the, it's the cost, because the, it, the Yeah, the cost, yeah. how hard it is and to the do, risk. and the risk, yeah. yeah, because they're more expensive than ever. Yeah. Um, it's, that's, which is why you just get Call of Duty mm-hmm. and then another Call of Duty yeah. and then another Call of yeah. Duty and then oh yeah because even Call of Duty. PS3 games are available but to your point the only games you can get are the, the top of the range ones because yeah. the only companies that can afford to do it yeah. so you get FIFA 16 and Call yeah, exactly. of Duty and stuff yeah. uh, so NBA I mean that's, that's, that's you know. a great that's a great strength that board games yeah. have that effect, but it's they're, they're it's relatively cheap, mm. cheap to produce the risk's mm-hmm. relatively low for companies and uh, you just it's wonderful, just the huge variety of different themes and, and uh, mechanics that you can have. So you're right. I mean, it's totally true that the the only two real variables are, are mechanics and theme. And yet, if you look at the the huge variety of games, but, is it often that we play a game? I think it's very rare that we play a new game and think, oh, this is totally derivative. You know, most uh, most games this that we is play... Unrealistic. <laughs> it's it's rare on the Thursday night that we play a game and think, that was an absolute... No, 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 sure. we, play, we played that before just in Half a different box. Well, <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. I'm joking. That, you said that. You, you did, miserable no, collection you should of say no, I'm, I'm, I was just a sly dig. I'm, I, I, meant, I meant no offence. No, I generally liked it, as you know, and uh, you took it to playtest, didn't you? you oh, the game good, I was yeah, designing, yeah. yeah. Sorry, that yeah, was my that's, joke. Uh, yeah. That was all right, yeah. So, um, was, that the, uh, was that the Roman, Roman, Roman Fort game? Roman Fort yeah, and I've, I've took it out recently. So, and, and a really nice thing that we've got in Newcastle um, is uh, on the first Tuesday of the month, uh, anyone who's interested, um, the Bridge Hotel. It's uh, seven o'clock, and if you in the northeast of it's England, right near the castle. If, you, if you're in the, Chicago, the this isn't going to do you much good. But yeah. uh, if you're in <laughs> if you're in the northeast, um, we have a game little de- games testing group, which is really nice. I've start, I only started to go this year. Um, might I'm actually always, be a play always, test in America. I don't know. I'm sure. I'm sure there'll be different. Probably be different be another ones, version. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's about half a dozen of us get together and try out each other's games, and it's a lot of fun. And it's it's really interesting because it's a very supportive environment, and we all suggest improvements. And mm. uh, you can see it because if you go month after month, you see the same game coming back, but with some of the changes you suggested. You know, month one you play a game, you make some suggestions, or as a group you make some suggestions. Month two it comes back slightly improved, and uh, that's been a lot of fun. And I've been designing games again since I was a kid. I mean, since I was probably eight years old you know starting out with like war games different war games with plastic figures making up rules and stuff and then by the time I was 11 or 12 certainly I remember designing uh, various board games I always really enjoy it and um, the the limitation for me of board games is there's not enough creative I like something that can be a bit more creative and uh, so even though most of my games you know could probably got about half a dozen that I've got lying around in boxes gathering mm-hmm. dust that I've designed um, even though they're probably never going to get played 
uh, by anyone apart from me or you know maybe well, at the playtest group it's just fun to develop them mm-hmm. and I, I like to take a theme and all, always historical um, often mm. military historical mm-hmm. and just mess around with it and see what I can come up with yeah. Try, um, so yeah so I'm, I'm, I'm wondering what to do with that game that we the, the playtest has been very positive people have liked it it's I think you should I, think, I honestly think you should pursue that because I, yeah. think, I think based on based on what you showed me because this is this is something I would say is a little bit of a, an extended point about what we're talking about is I guess the the one fundamental thing that makes a board game hard to do is when you make it a longer format because yeah. you've got to keep people interested yeah. for a lot longer. Yeah. So that's when the mechanics can kind of fall apart because maybe if you maybe something gets too powerful as time goes on, and, and so that's where balance, the playtesting comes yeah. into play. Because, I think that's an interesting point. And yeah. if I think about the games that we've been playing on a Tuesday night mm. at the um, at the, the games test group. Um, it's they're all really short mm. games and I think the, to the, an hour. or yeah, even less 15, hour, yeah. 15 20 minutes mm-hmm. half an hour um, that game I designed maybe goes to an hour but um, and I think the reason is getting game balance mm-hmm. without really extensive playtesting I mean anyone's prepared to play a game that goes on for 20 minutes or half an hour and mm-hmm. if it's unbalanced as long as it's a fun concept yeah, yeah. you don't much care mm-hmm. um, whereas I think people are nervous to develop games which are longer because as you say keeping people's interest and making sure the game is balanced, I think I think is quite hard, and only through a lot of playtesting, which does take time yeah. uh, and effort. No, definitely. Um, and there's a member of that uh, group. I better not say too much, but there's a member of that group who's who's got a game um, to to commercial production. It's mm-hmm. going to be out next year. Sweet. So um, that's that's quite a success, and that is a longer game. But yeah. he spent. Two years developing that, yeah, and yeah, testing it, takes it a lot of time. Over over I've had again. several. Uh, I've had independent people who run board game companies on uh, the guy who did Camelot. Uh, yeah, Lawrence is on. Um, Dave Cousins, who's I would consider a friend, who's uh, he does North and South games, which is a bunch of fans. You remember yeah. that terrain game me and you played the, with the tiles and uh, rock paper scissors bang? I don't know if you remember that, but we played that one time here. Um, right, got it somewhere. Yeah, with, with with terrain tiles, and you pick a terrain like a, a sand or a, a, a grass. I'm pretty sure I played it just with you, but That's I'm sure good. if I showed That's you it, you'd remember yeah. it. It was yeah. it's a good little fun quick game. Oh, I do remember. Um, yes, I with the good. with the white yeah, bag. I remember. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a it and uh, yeah, I've had him on and. Um, you know, he he basically breaks even. Like he yeah. just does it for fun. The, like you know, that's the that's the, the problem. Andrew Haggard said to yeah. me when I interviewed him, he was like, you know, if you you want to make any money, you don't be in the board game industry. Yeah. If you want to do it as a career, yeah, you might be able to if you're lucky. Yeah, because yeah. um, I've had Matt Leacock on who designed Pandemic and Thunderbirds and Forbidden Island, and and uh, you'd think based on his run of board games and card whatever, like his runner games that he would be like a full-time guy he's only yeah. recently become full-time yeah yeah um, i'm sure it's very difficult to make how, how hard it is and, to yeah. do because he's now got a big enough of a name that you'll probably put a board game out and everyone like oh that's matt laycox like so people will buy whatever he mm. produces just mm. because of his name you know mm. so it might be rubbish but no offense matt but <laughs> but it, it could be that's, my point yeah that's fantastic and there um, are a few there are a few gamers who are like that you know mm. whose names we all recognize and they yeah. bring out a new game and everyone's excited but i think um if you look on the geek and see the number of you know tens of thousands of games that have been produced yeah. in the last decade or so, mm-hmm. and you realise that massive boom, you know, um, most, yeah, well, most of them to... most of them are fairly uh, mm-hmm. probably fairly well. I wouldn't say mediocre because, as I say, I think I think whenever we played games, we, we pretty much always enjoy yeah. what we play. I think, but a lot, right. a lot of them you you might think at the end, well, I wouldn't be keen to play that again. I think you're you right. Know. Um, there's there's only there's only few games that you're going to get. I mean, for me. You know, my favourite game ever, Power Grid. You know, I could play that mm-hmm. any number of times. And everyone has their own favourite three or four games that if it's yeah, if it's coming yeah. out of the box, you think, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna play mm-hmm. that. You know, I can't wait yeah, to play like that. Yeah, you wait maybe a few months or something. You're like, yeah, I'll play that again. Yeah. That's, I love that but, game. But a lot of a lot of games, um, you play it once and you think, well, I've done that. You mm-hmm. know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to play it again. So I think, yeah, it is difficult and, and competitive. Well, yeah. it's just... Just to, to, to end the, the, to end this point, yeah. to end this discussion, because there's a couple of things I want to talk to you about, is, yeah. is, is just to say... I just want to get your responses to what I find fascinating about everything we just talked about with mechanics and theme being very important. In the crux of making a game, it's not... You wouldn't think it's essential, but because you, one could make the argument, um, does theme necessarily matter? If the mechanics are the same and you're just doing a... you mm, just crowbarring a theme on it. Yeah, I'm going to be sort of... That's not my opinion, but I'm just saying some people think that, but then... 
I know if you've got an outward perspective on things, if you go into a board game shop, it's the same as a video game. What's the first thing you see? The theme mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. or whatever the Definitely. game is about. You read the back of the box yeah. and go, oh, what's this? What are yeah. you doing this? So the theme is everything. No, I, to- I totally agree. I think um, for me, a, a, a per- the perfect game is a game where the theme mm. and the mechanic match. Mm-hmm. Oh, really exactly. Well. Advanced, yeah. advanced Civilization. Yeah. You know, a, a game which... Actually, build you're, building, you're building civil, starting in whatever it is, 4000 BC or whatever, mm-hmm. and you're actually building through 4000 years of history, and it's got a real map of the, the real world and the tech. There's some vague relation to it. I mean, of course, it's only a very vague approximation, yeah, but to, it's not to like reality, the theme is yeah. great mechanics, but also the, the theme uh, grabs you. You know, and some, some games, you can try, apply that to anything. You can have games in space, you know, as I said, uh, war, different military games. Um, Lewis and Clark is a really good example. You know, where they all the cards in that game, every single card is a genuine historical character that Lewis and Clark actually encountered. Now, in fact, you could play that, and you could have that is that you could take all those mechanics and put them into space and have someone exploring space, or you could put it in, you could have David Livingston game and have the same mechanics, you know. But for that game, it's a perfect match between mm-hmm. uh, theme and mechanics, and every. Um, Part of that game, the artwork and, uh, as I say, all the cards and all the, the rules in it, they match with the theme really, really nicely. But, but and I think I that think, just yeah, makes it so much more, point, yeah. so much more fun. And some games where you feel they've done exactly what you said, where they've taken the mechanics and then just grafted it onto some random theme, and you can really see that. And often you, I don't enjoy those games. But what's interesting, you feel like, right? Well, this could be. What's the theme got yeah. to do with the, but, with the game? But my point, my, what the point I was leading to, you know, I, I think you're right in what you're saying. But I, 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 I what I find fascinating is. Like, you're right in the sense of, you know, that's one side of it where you can have good mechanics, but if the theme doesn't appeal to you, it's not that great of yeah, a game. Yeah. But um, the thing that'll end up making you buy a game and makes you decide it's rubbish is if the theme is what made you buy it, but the mechanics okay. are bad totally that makes true. the game totally terrible, yeah. that makes you go, this is rubbish because yeah. it's just, why, I make, why is it making me do this? Yeah. So you can make a solid argument to say the mechanics are the be all and end all because I've. The odd times, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, you know, because there's, I'm sure you'll you'll agree with me when I say we've probably played collectively, me and you as friends, played a game that maybe the theme was like, eh, that's not that interesting, but it's still been a very good game to play. I'm, yeah. I don't know if I can think of any. Well, China, Chinatown would be a yeah. good example of that. But I, mean, I quite like Chinatown. I, it's I a great mean, game. But I quite the, like the, Chinese. Chinese uh, culture though so like yeah, you know I like be. what's that game with the, the quests well, it's just a property development mechanic really yeah. a theme really yeah it doesn't it's necessarily a, it's a great, yeah, it's a great good game point so there are there are, yeah, there are okay so there are exceptions to what I'm yeah. saying oh, of course would be a good got, yeah. one where you look at the the theme and the theme of that is no interest to me I mean 1950s New York or wherever it's by Chicago buying up blocks of that's actually a really good point you get rid of the China aspect of it yeah actually it's a tremendous absolutely tremendous you make a very good point there I've never thought of that that if you got rid of the Chinatown aspect of that game you could Put another theme to that, and it would still be the you same could, game. Could, yeah, yeah, very good point. Do. I didn't think of that. Anyway, we've so, had, um, yeah. you know, obviously we're, we're a little bit pressed for time, so okay. I, there's a couple of things I want to uh, talk about, right? Sure. So, can we talk a little bit about your kids? If that's okay? of course, Just, you can absolutely um, because, um, like I, I, I want to talk about in relation to what we're talking about because this is something I talked to my friend Michelle about, who has a child herself. Um, because you were talking about board games and you touched on in your own life because this happened even in my generation is that there was a period of time where board games and sort of interacting with your family in that way disappeared yeah. like you know did that happen for you where because you touched on it earlier where you said I think so I mean I think I think playing with the older generation of my family we always carried on with that till yeah. my grandparents died really I mean uh, playing cards and that I mean, we used to with my nan, who got to what ninety three. She died about three years ago. I mean, she got to the point where she was so blind she couldn't play cards anymore. But up oh, until yeah. she was ninety, I used to, you know, as a family, uh-huh. we used to play cards together. So I think we carried on with that. But but socially, did it ever socially? I think no. I think down. that's right. Uh-huh. Um, it's interesting, isn't it? Like this club, this whole board game club thing, is is a curious one about why did that why does that sudden and they're popping up all over you know we're not alone there's two or three Newcastle massive epidemic and you think well what what is that what's that about why do people want to do that and what's changed that 10 years ago I wasn't thinking about doing that I don't know what the answer is to that Stephen I think I have a theory I don't think there's no way to prove if I'm right or not right but I compare it to another industry I compare it to something a guy um, I'm a I'm a pretty like 
Anorak about um, wrestling history. Right, I know you like wrestling. Yeah, <laughs> and um, there's a, there was a great quote I heard where he basically said that because um, he jokes as a guy is named Jim Cornette, he actually has a podcast himself, and and he 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 made a wrestling company in the early nineties, and he said I made it during the worst time wrestling became unpopular because it was post Hulk Hogan Hulkamania, yeah, yeah. where it was huge in the eighties. Yeah. Um, and he went, so I made the mistake of of making a company when it, and he went, but. I can't be overly critical of myself because I realised after the fact because he then sold his like um, the the video montage of his company to Vince McMahon, so he got his money back and what he put in it. But he then said after the fact is that you know because Vince is lucky enough he can do that because he's got a big enough company to ride ride the wave. But the the industry goes through cycles. Yeah. So I make the you can make the argument. Pretty much in any industry you want to crew a bar in, you know, film industries went through that. Like look Absolutely. at Mar- look at Marvel, yeah. look at Marvel. Yeah. They yeah. went through like um, I talked to Bob Layton, who co- he's been on the podcast, the co-creator of Iron Man, and um, he said, you know, he had to beg for a job at Marvel, and they were, wouldn't. There's a famous story of him that he was handing in mail. He was working for an independent comic book. He goes in to hand some mail, and then he has. Um, he has Stan or someone on the someone on Marvel phone going. We need to get this Iron Man uh, comic printed in five days, and we don't we haven't got anyone to draw it. So he just went walking past and knocked on the door and went, "I'm a drawer. I can yeah, do it." And yeah. He's like, "How can I do this in five days? I'm an idiot." But then that led to him getting a job. Yeah, um, but story. but um, but uh, you know that in particular over them periods of time Stan Lee said this in many interviews is that they struggled to keep going yeah um, and then they had a resurgence and, and in the cinema, 80s you made and, a good, very good point with the yeah. cinema you know and the way that's going but, uh, but actually there is this thing about a board game club which is actually quite new mm-hmm. you know so yes when I was a kid we used to play I used to play a lot of board games I mean like Cry Havoc which some people might be old enough to remember which is a class I've still got it in my life somewhere it's Brilliant game. We have to get it out sometime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, medieval, like siege warfare, cool game. That's um, used to play that loads with my mates. Uh-huh. You know, when I was fourteen or fifteen, um, we used to do a bit of wargaming. But but we didn't really think about ourselves as a club. We just used to get together. Whereas the 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 it, my, my the person I was talking to about the the car club, you know, there is there is a specific set of rules if you like about a club that it's one particular time of the week. And you know, uh, people get together at that time at a fixed venue, not usually somebody's house, mm-hmm. like a hired um, room. A hired yeah. room. There's yeah. usually a sub, some kind of subscription yeah. paid, and it's there's like a, a bit of, of bit of a structure like what we've got with a, yeah. a chair and a secretary and a treasurer. Mm-hmm. You know, a church hall kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it is it is different. There is something different about playing just with your mates. So while you're right, I think about right, with any industry, board games come and go and rise and fall. I think you know there is something that's actually knew about where an older generation maybe were doing photography or um, cars or whatever, train spotting, I don't know, whatever they were doing with their clubs, you know, proper geekish activities. And that's all, that's all dying out. But, and, yet, and yet here are us young folk with a totally different idea for a club, which is board gaming. And I'm not sure even for myself, I just saw that advert. It has changed, somewhere I totally thought, agree with you. I thought, oh, I'll just give that a try and see what that's like. So there's something that it really seems to work for people in a way that those other clubs, for younger people, in a way that those other clubs don't. Mm-hmm. And that yeah, I do play with my family and I play with my kids. Um, although interestingly, this Christmas I didn't play any games actually with my family, but normally we, we play games together. My wife's not very keen on, on games, so mm-hmm. it's... Um, um, does she so there play is at all? Like, does a she, bit occasionally she will like play. A, yeah, a, 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 a simple, like, a simple, not a simple game. Offensively, yeah. I just mean like you know yeah. I, I understand that there's no, some people who just feels, go. She kind of feels it's a waste of her time. She'd rather be reading a book. Really. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, so you do have that kind of thing where you're just with your family and you just think oh let's get together and play. But there does seem to be something to me which is a bit new about having a board games club. Where we all come together. I suppose people used to have war games club, clubs. I remember when I was a kid, I used to go to a war games club occasionally. So there was that. I mean, D and D groups. I've D&D, talked to several. Right? I've yeah. talked to good, several. Good good I've point. talked to several people on the show. Yeah. Um, when D and D became huge. Now you see, so. this is a very interesting thing about board games mm-hmm. because one of the fascinating things about board games is it's it crosses all these different genres. Like 
You know, I was thinking about my favourite author, Terry Pratchett. Yeah. Terry Pratchett being a geek. Yeah. You know, I'm a total Pratchett geek. The Orchard, isn't it? The uh, the game, isn't it? It's called The Orchard, isn't it? There's The Witches. Yeah, Witches. There's uh, the one set in Ankh Morpork. Oh, no, sorry. Orchard, I think, is a district in one of the games. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, there's a bunch of Terry Pratchett good games. Yeah. But then you've got, like, Battlestar Galactica for the people who are into that sort of stuff. You've got your zombies, all the people who are into zombies. Well, we Oh, stuff. that was a game we, we didn't like. And Dragons. Do you remember us playing Homeland? People don't know this because of the TV series. Yeah. Remember the TV series Homeland? Yeah. And that was what a rubbish yeah, game that, that was. was. <laughs> but that's, to me, where the theme the theme was much stronger than the mechanics. Yes, exactly, yeah. Because TV show, we've got to make a game to but, with it. But on the to whole... To our point, though, just to finish that, just our point, though, which reinforced what we were saying earlier, great theme... But you could. Rep- my point would be, you could replace the theme, and the game and would still game, be bad. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Anyway, that's that's a great example. So I'm glad. So one one anyway. thing that's interesting about board games yeah. is it has you know Dungeons and Dragons. You mentioned war games. A lot of people have got a back. A lot of the older people in the club have got a background in in straightforward war games. Mm-hmm. Who've come into these, and some some of them do. There aren't many just straightforward two player war games that we play. Some of them do have a, a, a war mechanic, but yeah, it tends yeah. to be multiplayer. Good point. Um, so, uh, one interesting thing about board games is whatever your interests are, and they cross over so much into popular culture. I mean, Battlestar Galactica, classic example, Terry Pratchett, you know, the Star Trek Catan, Thunderbirds, Thunderbirds yeah, exactly. Come out, the Marvel Comics, game. you made a very yeah. good point about those. Superheroes, um, yeah, that's Superheroes. Got, yeah. Um, so that's, and then there's all the historical games game, again, yeah. you know, talk about Lewis and Clark, I mean, that's completely kind of left field theme mm-hmm. coming in there, or... or um, you know the slave, whatever that's can't remember the proper name. Uh, of it, yeah, no, we call it because we jokingly t- call it twelve keys of slave t- based t- on t- the years t- yeah, t- yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, So you know, so um, that that's interesting. That, Where well, wasn't uh, there? What was the whole problem with that range. game? Just a little funny, quick sidetrack. Wasn't the whole. Was it that game or another game? You probably remember better than me. Where someone people complained on board game key because the pieces were because the, the pieces weren't black or because they were black or something for the slaves. Yeah, something there's some, like there was yeah, some yeah, stupid yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. This 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 is how terrible it is, folks. Where the board game comes out and they don't like the fact it's not a story. It's like I love Will Wheaton. Every, everyone knows I do. But that episode in um, Five Tribes. I don't know if you've seen it, but no. there's an epic the, 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 on tabletop. They do five tribes, right? Yeah. And, he, and uh, have you played that game? I'm pretty sure. No, you have. I haven't. Oh. I really oh, want well, to play Well, in that, it, in that game, really there's a, the wild cards are called slaves, right? So he doesn't call them slaves because right. he says any game that has slaves in, he won't call them slaves. Well, so he calls is, them wild cards. Very, but I found him a hit very, hypocrite. This is very a very interesting point, and it, obviously it's an extremely delicate yeah. uh, issue, and I can totally understand people's sensitivity. Mm-hmm. And I've I, what game was I? I can't remember what it was. I was I was designing, thinking about. It. I was just messing around with some game I was designing, and I thought, oh, it's um any any game in uh, it was a 16th century exploration game, and I really tripped over on that one, Stephen. I don't know what the answer is because for people in the 16th century, slavery was a major part of economic yeah. activity. No, no, and I yet, totally got it. And yet, ethically, to put yourself as a game player in the seat of a slave trader. I mean, for me, I, f- I found, you know, I, I just gave up on that one because I don't feel comfortable with being in that position of saying slaves are a commodity that, like, gold and yeah. ivory and whatever that we're going to trade I in just our don't game. think in the grand but you, scheme But you, but you can't, you can't make a game about exploration mm-hmm. or trade in the 16th or 17th century mm-hmm. without including the slave trade, which was a central part of... But then, of, uh, wouldn't it... Would, it would, can you, you, know, you? I feel like you're hinting that. It's kind of like, isn't it like um, revisionist history doing that? Like because It's a bit like, you know, when Django and Chain came out and everyone was upset with um, Well, let me, let me put, let me put this one to you. How would you feel about a game in which you were being the Nazis, playing as the Nazis. Um, See, personally, I would have, I, I would have serious. Wouldn't care. Okay, <laughs> maybe I'm uh, playing maybe. playing a second world war game. I, I don't Germans. think that would ever come out, though. Well, that's exactly. Uh, then why that would it not come out? out? Yeah. Exactly. But so there was a. Do you know there's a? Just a thing. Your point. Do you know there's a an an um uh like a like an Al Qaeda or someone someone made like an Al Qaeda or. Well, true. In, on a of distant, risk, yeah, on a distant. Where they, um, this is a very interesting point. On a distant, yeah, plane, you're you play as the terrorist, and there's also the game game of terror, which I played. You're the uh, Taliban, aren't you? In um, distant plane, or the, the Taliban? Yeah, that's you're right. the Taliban, yeah. So, so I mean, this is this is. A, I think this is a really interesting one. I don't know what yeah. the answer is. I mean, in Second World War game where you play as the Germans, I'm completely happy about that. Yeah. But the game where you're explicitly playing as a member of the there's that game as well with Quartermaster General where we play where you can play as the Germans. He just plays the Germans, and I'm all right with that. But 
I think I think there are areas which are still too it's fascinating sensitive mm-hmm. um, to make me feel personally I would feel I would feel uncomfortable about a game where you're in the role of slave trader or you know being something to do with the Nazis whatever it may be I think you just have to be careful because they're very very sensitive mm-hmm. issues you're right and I, you're right in that there's then then you get into denial and our relationship to our well, own history around the slave trade the, and, and the all only that point stuff. I would make on that I get people's sensitivity and at the end of the day you can't you can't make yourself not sensitive because that's just an emotional response so you know I'm, I'm fully on board with that I just make the point of like what Will did on Five Trimes is that you know with him having a series where he plays a bunch of board games on online, yeah, yeah. you know he's quite happy to play a game where you know the idea is to blow people to bits, and yet yeah. he's playing a game with slaves. Yeah. I, I okay. can't, I okay. can't see, I can't see that. My point is, That's if you're gonna, if you're gonna cry a moral, a moral high ground or yeah. moral yeah. certitude or whatever the right word is. Yeah. Um, and then finding yourself picking and choosing yeah. you, I think you need to be consistent with your morality yeah. in that sense and go if I'm not going to play this I'm not going to play any of them but, um, okay but to take the issue of that slave escape game you yeah. know I'm totally comfortable playing with the, the Underground Railroad it's called isn't it totally comfortable with playing as the, the people helping the slaves escape yes. imagine if, if a human player was playing the person trying to catch the slaves mm-hmm. now I would I would certainly feel ethically quite uncomfortable yeah, although I, I, I accept I accept your point that. that I'm quite willing to play games in which we you know annihilate planets or kill thousands of people without mm-hmm. even thinking about yeah, it yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's a curious because otherwise, one, I just, if you, I just because think, I just think if you, my point is, Chris, if you if you if you um if you like make that line, you're gonna struggle to get themes that are actually interesting on a on a on a on a wider scale because then you can have quite you could end up quite having mundane themes. Yeah, then. but I think um, I think there's enough. Goodness me, there's enough. Because you're gonna have to have violence, themes. and you know, it's you know, how, how, why do like certain films become like people want to see? You know, like look at Star, like oh, we touched on Star Wars. Right. Yeah, we touched on Star Wars. You know, right. my, I, I don't know whether you found this interesting being a being a father as well as yeah. the um, with with two young girls as the. Um, my nephew was like, "Oh, mate, have you seen Star Wars yet?" When I saw him at Christmas, and I didn't realize this, but I, I noticed this in the trailers that it's a twelve twelve A, mm-hmm. like, well, mm-hmm. you've got to go with a parent, so yeah. thirteen, whatever it is, over in America. And I was like, I, I found myself going, find myself fascinated because I was saying to myself, "Really, why is that?" But then you kind of look at it and go, "It is kind of like you know," because everyone has said in the original they always compared it to kind of like Nazi rule, like yeah. you know, because yeah. it has that fe- absolutely feet, it definitely the, has the that theme, very strong, and um, in the new um, one as well, very yeah. strong. And uh, obviously, it's very aesthetic. violent. Yeah. And I think is there a beheading at one point? I think in the new one, or have, have you seen the new one yet? Yeah, in the um, in the, there's the beheading in the the third the. Um, the the, uh-huh. the the revenge of the city yeah uh, Anakin beheads Kaiju Kuhi like um, uh, well actually I think the camera cut away is in this one it, but there is a yeah, person does, who gets their head being thinged off and it's but, obvious yeah. that's what they're doing but yeah, yeah. But yeah so it's fascinating yeah fascinating it is, because it is. how do you how do you gorge where to go with it but there's a, I was at the I was at an exhibition about uh, war games touring touring exhibition from the Victoria and Albert Museum it was in Coventry when mm-hmm. I was down in Coventry last week and we went to see yeah. it and HG uh, Wells who one of the pioneering war game developers yeah. of war games wrote the book Little Wars, mm-hmm. uh, and he was a pacifist, mm-hmm. and he explicitly said in that that this is should be as an alternative to real warfare, mm-hmm. um, and that people who are thinking of really going to war ought to play it as a game instead to save anyone being killed. So you know that's the interesting. There's a whole other interesting way. argument there that actually us playing games mm-hmm. is a distraction or an alternative to having to actually really go and start blowing people up yeah so we get our list we get our bloodless lust out on uh, on the uh, <laughs> little wooden pieces instead of on each other which i'm i'm quite uh, you know i, I quite uh, i quite like that idea actually that uh, it's much much more it's much more civilized to sit and play with bits of cardboard and kill, yes, kill little wooden yeah. gators than oh yeah I'm not I'm not going like yeah I mean the, thing, the, yeah. I let's be I frank still... yeah let's be frank if me and you are sitting here and we're going oh yeah we're talking about hypothetical scenarios and make and like fantasy elements whereas if we're sitting in this room right now and someone says we've got to go and kill these real slaves in the corner okay yes I'm with you on that I wholeheartedly agree um, so I just, so I just, just to be clear it's a, it's a fascinating it's a no, like serial killer. Where, where yeah. we all would draw our own lines <laughs> yeah. between between what games we'd. And I think the key, and, and I, yeah, and I think the key thing is to end this because we've got a few minutes left. And I want to ask you a couple yeah. of things. It's just to say, 
I think the the good cut off point on what we're talking about is to say the the most important thing I think is talking about it. Like, yeah. uh, is to because that leads to what line you want to get to yeah. uh, is to go. Okay, yeah, maybe I need to think of that. Maybe I am being oversensitive, or maybe you can reinforce. Yeah, I still am at, at least get someone like me maybe if I don't understand it to go okay yeah I see your point of view yeah. like that is far more valuable than just not than than being a little flippant in, in yeah. your emotions and all that kind yeah. of thing and the fact that we're having this conversation it's fascinating yeah it is because it is there'll be people who may not be thinking about it yeah. it's Star Wars being hugely popular as well they may be thinking why is it what? No, I didn't think of that until I saw it and for cities like you know Liverpool and Bristol I mean they, yeah. they have a real dilemma about how they present their own history around slavery yeah. there are no easy answers to these questions about cities that have got a lot of wealth and success from the slave trade in the past and are now, you know, in, in terms of their museums and all that stuff, trying to present, a, work out what their relationship is to what can be quite a dark yeah, history. Yeah, my, my so it's not it's not just about gamers and, and indeed for, you know, Germans, I mean, there's no no one more sensitive and, and concerned about anything to do with the Nazis than young young Germans who are, you know, yeah. often far more sensitive than I yeah, would be yeah. in thinking about those mm-hmm. things and... and respect to them for which for is what like that, that whole 40 tower episode so. was basically for the 40 yeah, tower right, episode well. was, <laughs> but the main underlying theme of that though was that because the german uh, the german guy actually says to to basil that you know we are like t- t- we're horrified about yeah, what happened yeah. and, and that really was the crux of them yeah, doing the episode right. like, so so i think i think these aren't interesting issues, aren't just issues for board gamers they're no, issues no. For, for in general about certain certain topics which are incredibly sensitive and there are no easy answers as to how we get yeah them. so um there was something i was going to say in relation to kids but we kind of touched on that so um i wanted to ask you because i was fascinated when you went to that conference about mm-hmm. your job right okay um yeah, so sure. i thought we should end on you on okay. talking about your job okay. yeah uh, i don't i don't spend my whole life being a, a board game yeah, yeah. Like, you're listening no, to yeah. this you think i spend my whole no my whole <laughs> no no it's his main hobby but yeah I wanted to talk quickly on because I, I actually when you said what the conference was and you sh- you sent me that link and, yeah. and the email yeah. I like went on it and I was like I started googling like that what that meant and I was thinking because yeah. it's something to do with like uh, um, sort of like uh, e- environmental, environmental, environmental friendly design, basically yeah, yeah. so you want to uh, touch on what it is yeah sure okay so so my job I have a I'm the only um, permaculture research coordinator in the entire world which is a very you know, I have uh, the number of people who do my job is me in the whole world, which That's is extraordinary. Quite interesting, isn't it? There's a permaculture is a That's it, permaculture. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's about it's about environmental design, really, holistic environmental design of, of usually small scale projects, usually traditionally in horticulture and agriculture. So mm-hmm. it's about designing very highly productive uh, food producing systems that don't require much work and input and hopefully don't produce any waste so you recycle all your waste back into the system i probably haven't got time to um yeah we've got go like through it all now but literally uh, wants to look so. it up on, on the internet you yeah. can have a look at uh, www.permaculture.org.uk which is the uk permaculture association but there's loads mm. of international so stuff what is your main there. sort of job in a so, nutshell is it to because you said i know you deal with some grant stuff don't you yeah so um permaculture has been uh the way it's spread, I mean, it's, it's spread without having any hierarchy or organisation. It's spread through people teaching other people. So we think there's probably in excess of three million people around the world who are practicing permaculture. Nobody really has a clue because there's no central organisation. Um, started by two Australians in the 1970s who produced some books. It's, it's basically one person teaches some other people, and then they go and teach some more people, and then they usually go and teach some more people. So it's had this completely kind of um, Random and, and unorganized, but fairly well, I'd say very successful spread around the world. There's few national organizations and no international organizations really around okay, permaculture. Um, so it's been 30, nearly 40 years old now, permaculture. And the Permaculture Association Britain, which is probably the best organized permaculture, national permaculture association in the world, mm-hmm. I hope I'm not insulting anyone if I say that. Um, <laughs> we it decided emails uh, about. <laughs> four or five years ago before I was in post there that it was about time that some key functions around organising and research because there's been very very little research done into mm-hmm. how effective permaculture is and okay. its techniques um, is that, that it was time is that for permaculture to grow like a bit f- f- finance basically and not be able to do the research it's or? an interesting question as to why that hasn't happened I mean I think it's essentially because First of all, permaculture is very strong in the global south, where mm-hmm. people need it to feed themselves yes. and their families. Mm-hmm. So people doing it get enthusiastic and excited about it and don't, aren't interested in research. They want to get on and do it. Yes. And largely that's true in, in 
the global north as well, most people doing permaculture are very excited about doing stuff about the projects they're involved in and are much less interested in researching how effective that is. So it's a movement of doers rather than a movement of researchers, I think, um, and funding. And because it's been a very young movement and because it started as a, but it was started by two academics as a conscious rejection of and reaction to academia. So they, they in the 70s, decided that academia wasn't going to be able to deliver the kind of radical changes that we needed to, to mm-hmm. save the environment. So they designed something not for academics and... Uh, yeah, out of their own disillusion with academia, which I think is unfair now. Mm-hmm. It was fair in the 70s, but now, okay. you know, the whole science of ecology and environmental science and how that's developed in universities, mm-hmm. um, I think acad- academics are, and, and holistic, you know, a lot of it through engineering so and computer technology. is it fair to say, is it, is it trying to sort of um, create more opportunities for be to be self-sufficient yeah. and at the same time sort of maintain the planet yeah. and be more economically exactly. friendly and so environmentally friendly? So I, I suppose... In essence, if I try to think what I'm I'm interested in, I mean, there's a, or what I do. I think there's a traditional, massive. There's been a huge trade-off or conflict between what humans need and what the environment needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and specifically in food production, there's a, typically a trade-off between productivity and biodiversity. So the more the higher your productivity, the lower the level of biodiversity, which is, has very yeah. bad consequences for the planet. Of and course, I suppose yeah. the the amazing, inspiring, exciting idea behind permaculture is that it's possible to have highly productive systems which are also have a greater degree of biodiversity mm-hmm. and probably are aesthetically very nice as well. So systems which look and feel lovely to be part of, which produce food that feeds humans and which also have a high level of biodiversity. Cool. Um, that's, that's, the, that's what we're aiming towards. Yeah. Um, and I think there are some amazing projects that can do that and one of the great things about the conference in london this year was that we saw some amazing examples from around the world of that Going in practice effect, yeah. um but i think there's still an awful lot of work even with those systems to understand really how have they succeeded what are the successful elements how can they be copied and reproduced mm-hmm. so and make it's like, it's and like make huge, better i suppose and made better right, absolutely yeah. and what can we learn from each other it's like permaculture is this massive global experiment mm-hmm. to see if it's actually Good. possible to i'm ho- both all, all on board for that both yeah. supply human needs and ensure biodiversity yeah. continues in the planet can, which is really survive. what we all should care about you know it is absolutely in a nutshell and, and I mean, the results we really need to wrap because we're going to yeah, be late otherwise the, but, the results of that experiment are we're still waiting to, to find out what you know what the results of the experiment are, and I guess that's key part cool. of my job. I should get you. I'll get you on. Uh, we should do another version of this. When we've got a little bit more time. Yeah, talking about permaculture. I would love to do happy, that because very I'm, happy to... when you saw, when you sent me the link, I was generally interested, yeah. and uh, we yeah. were going to talk about that, but we got yeah. sidetracked yeah. on about board games, yeah. which is fun. Yeah. Um, so I'm a, I'm we're going to play board games a, now. Yeah, I'm a bit of a uh, vegetable and soil geek. Yeah, well I was going to say is that in just very quickly because I was going to ask you just very basically is that is that a personal goal as well as that's something yeah, that really very, matters to you yeah i'm very passionate about yeah, soil I can and, tell that. and growing and yeah and, and mm-hmm. i'm getting more and more into getting excited about like soil, organic you know, organic yeah really living of... living healthy living soil yeah. is just like so Do you make a you you've got you quite into I've building vegetables garden, and yeah, not, not, stuff, not, not, yeah. huge, not huge but i go, yeah. grow some of my own stuff yeah very that's cool. good and yeah anyway oh, thank yeah, you come on it's been great to talk to you it was really fun yeah it was really easy which i was expecting it to be so yeah um you do quickly mention your blog You've got a blog, haven't you? On, I've got a, blog, a permaculture blog. Yeah, mm-hmm. if anyone's Where interested, it? um, it'll be. I suspect there's not a huge amount of overlap of board gaming and uh, permaculture blog. I'll, I'll look at it. I'll look at uh, it. You've got at least me looking at it. What on earth is the? Anyone who, if you want to find it, just type into Google um, "permaculture research digest" uh-huh. and, and that'll uh, be your blog. It'll, it'll come. It's I'm not. It's not a traditional blog. What What it is is a list of. Uh, it's like a catalogue of recently published ah, things. Right, like a directory. Perma- like a directory yes. of recently published permaculture awesome. uh, research. And you run it, essentially. And I run it, yeah. Very try, cool. Try and put 20 Are you on Twitter or anything? Uh, I'm not, but that's my one of my New Year's resolutions for 2016. Yeah, get on Twitter, it's awesome. It's to develop my social yeah, anyway. media. But yeah, cool, we moustache. But yeah, yeah, huge thank you, Chris. That's been awesome. I'll end the podcast like I always end, in the words of the great B-movie, Robot Jocks Crash and Burn. And uh, we'll see you all soon for another edition. And uh, because this is going to be uh, released in the new year, Happy New Year. Happy everybody. New Year, everyone. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you.